This episode is brought to you by Chevron, the human energy company. This is Politico Energy. I'm Josh Siegel. Republicans are all but certain to take control of the House in January with a slim majority. And we've talked on this podcast before about what their priorities might be. But that was back when the Senate hadn't been decided. Now we know Democrats held on to that chamber, meaning a split Congress. So today, based on interviews with more than a dozen lawmakers, energy lobbyists, and Biden administration officials, I discussed with Politico's Ben LaFave whether Republicans can balance permitting and oversight, why there might be smaller opportunities for bipartisan energy collaboration, and the expectations Democrats and climate activists have for the Biden administration as it faces a divided Congress. It's Wednesday, November 16th. So, Ben, we reported a story on the four big areas to watch under a Republican House, which it's looking poised to be. So let's start briefly on the big stuff, which we've addressed on this podcast before, but worth revisiting you know, at a high level. How do our sources kind of see the Republicans balancing the aggressive oversight pledges that they're making with their real big policy priority of permitting and passing a bill there? And is that something that people think that they can pull off? Well, you know, it's interesting. If you talk to the actual Republicans on the Hill, it is something they think they can pull off. We'll hear from folks saying infrastructure permitting is such a huge deal. They almost have no choice to do something. But when I talk to people in the industry, there's a lot of cynicism about it. They think with Republicans having just such a razor thin margin, folks I talk to in the industry are just kind of like, to a certain extent, almost writing this off like it's it's not going to work out. Right. And then clearly there there are sharp policy disputes. Maybe permitting is one where there's some high level of agreement. The devil for sure will be in the details there. So on smaller kind of bipartisan opportunities, what are some of those possibilities that we could see in, in the new Congress? You could probably see something on critical minerals. That's something that Senator Joe Manchin, who's head of the Energy and Natural Resources Committee in the Senate, has focused on as as a priority. He'll go on about how we're spending all this money to develop EVs and renewables and other things that are going to require lithium and, and other minerals where a lot of the export is controlled by China. And I think House GOP members who are always kind of happy to get mining going on in the U.S., might glom onto that as something where the two parties can reach some kind of bipartisan unity. The other thing I heard from Representative Frank Lucas, who will, if Republicans grab one more seat or two more seats, will be the head of the House Science Committee. He thinks they can find a lot of common ground on any sort of language or legislation that would put more hurdles in the way of China getting its hands on U.S. technology. So China has been oft-reported is kind of becoming the de facto bipartisan unity issue between the two parties. So I would expect to see more on that. Yeah, and probably just one more to add. I mean, the farm bill, something that comes up a lot when you talk to members in both parties, it has a pending reauthorization. It's something where you could see policies to really encourage climate-friendly farming practices, boosting carbon sequestration, and then just pivoting again to the expectations of Democrats and environmental activists. I mean, clearly in the legislation side, I mean, I, th- I think it's really about implementation and really making sure the Inflation Reduction Act, that money gets out, goes to the right places. But what is the expectation of, of climate activists, Democrats, and what they would like to see in the regulation side? Because that's going to be a big focus in the administration. And how could Republicans maybe slow that rollout, if at all? 
Well, I'll, I'll say first, I mean, this just kind of came across a transom that I think Nancy Pelosi mentioned in the lame duck that they might try one more shot at a reconciliation bill. So Democrats might just think at this point, let's lard up as much as we can in any sort of reconciliation bill, even if it's relatively small compared to previous ones, get it passed. And then we can kind of to a certain extent, just play defense in the next Congress. If the House is going to focus on oversight and we're not going to get much bipartisan action on climate stuff, we might just want to kick back. And I think the things that climate activists really want to see are going to start coming down to executive action. I'm seeing this in my inbox a little bit already. We're seeing a number of groups kind of start calling uh, press conferences on things like we need to do something to limit LNG exports or we need to kind of pressure the Interior Department to start cracking down on companies that don't put up enough money to clean up oil and gas wells. So we're starting to see the shift to more expectations on the White House doing something. Now, whether they're going to get that, I don't know, because as we've seen, the administration has not so far done much to get in the way of new fossil fuel projects, even as they put out plenty of money for renewable development. But that's what the focus seems to be, is almost like the House is going to be doing its own thing. Let's focus on what we can get out of the Biden administration on a variety of issues. Right. And what's your sense on whether Republicans could actually slow? So if the administration's finalizing regulations on power and transport sectors, methane, the SEC climate risk disclosure rule. They're saying they're going to have strong oversight of all of that and make sure it's following the letter of the law. I mean, do you feel like there's any practical impact of those efforts from Republicans or not really? Not really. I think what it'll do is it'll signal, maybe they're hoping they can get information that will help outside groups basically take information to courts. If all the I's weren't dotted and the T's crossed in, Republicans might try to flag some things that, well, maybe this wasn't done correctly. And then you'll have groups like the IPAA or other trade associations or, you know, Republican attorneys general in different states try to lead lawsuits that would block any new action. So I think that's where most of the action will go, will, will be to the courts. Also, New York could enact a sweeping cap-and-invest program to limit greenhouse gas emissions from all sectors of the economy, according to a new draft of the state's climate plan that's due at the end of the year. Under the proposal, New York would set up a declining cap on the amount of greenhouse gas emissions allowed in the state, as it aims for an 85% reduction from 1990 levels by 2050. Sellers and distributors of transportation, heating fuels, industry, power plants, landfills, and incinerators would all be required to purchase credits for the emissions they produce. Moving forward, the proposal is subject to discussion and final approval by the Climate Action Council, which is dominated by Governor Kathy Hochul's appointees. For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our free newsletter at politico.com slash power switch, and subscribe to Politico Pro to read our morning energy newsletter. Some of the music in today's show is composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Josh Siegel, and we'll see you back tomorrow. This episode is brought to you by Chevron, the human energy company. Did you know that Chevron is working with partners in California to convert the methane from cow waste into renewable natural gas that one day can help fuel trucks across the nation? Find out more at chevron.com slash RNG.